listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 23rd of June 2023. Later, why the Australian share market had its worst three days in a row since March. But first, let's go to groceries, where UBS has tracked food prices across the two major supermarket chains and found for dairy, fruit and veg and meat. Prices rose 7% year-on-year. Individually, dairy and spreads up 10% year-on-year, fruit and vegetables up 3% over the past 12 months, and meat prices up 9%. The thing is, those prices, they are stabilising. So have we seen the worst of the price increases? For more, I spoke with UBS analyst Evan Karatsis. Through the, the month of May, we've seen Food and beverage price, price inflation across those categories that you mentioned um, was up about 7% relative to the month of May last year, so May 2022. How's it likely to move forward and what's driving those prices at the moment and, and how does it compare? For example, is it getting worse? Is it stabilising? Is it moderating? Yeah, yeah, no, no, good question. So what we're seeing is that the raw prices across the food and beverage category should be relatively stable here. Um, the actual, I guess, the percentage change relative to last year will still be quite elevated until around that sort of, you know, October, November type period, because that's really when we started to see um, some of these, you know, real sharp price increases come through last year. So in, in going forward for the next, you know, yes, little while, you should expect to see uh, pretty stable, uh, you know, raw prices uh, through, the, through, your, you know, through those product categories. You, you'll sort of start to revert back to much smaller type price increases that we've seen for many years that you know the the two to three percent that that low single digit type price increase you know across the across those sort of the categories that i look at but yeah i mean broadly i would say it's, it's relatively stable um from here so is it fair to say that we have now seen the biggest price increases coming through for for, for those kind of foods that you're looking at why and what initially drove it then yeah i, I would i would say so the big driver of it has been Sort of, it's been a, a few a few things. Um, the the raw inputs to a lot of our food and beverage products, you know, think of your meats and your you know your, your chicken, for example. What we feed our chicken, the wheat and the soy, uh, we saw really sharp increases there. Um, dairy prices, that you know, the price that the farmer receives, we saw real sharp increases there. So it's really just these raw inputs um, to all our our products. That, that's been the, the big drivers um, of, of some of the price in inflation. And, yeah, as I said, I, I would expect it to be relatively stable from here. You think the message for consumers is that even though prices have come up and they might stabilise from now on, they should be used to these elevated prices. It's not necessarily that these prices are now going to come down. Yeah, it's a, no, it's a, it's a fair question. Um, that's sort of the... I guess the big I know I would I would assume yeah just given the I guess the the wage and labour price environment you think utility cost um, you know lease cost or rent cost for some of these food producers uh, yeah I would say you know the, the current prices are, are, are something that you'd, you'd expect going forward as well. That is Evan Karatsis there from UBS. Now, market day on the SBS on the Money podcast. 
Well, the Australian share market ended the week on a bum note. The S&P ASX 200 down 1.3%, 7,099. Tech and mining stocks leading the declines. And it comes as the Bank of England lifted interest rates more than expected. It caps off a horrid back end of the week where shares on the 200 declined 3.5% over the last three trading sessions. For more, I spoke with Morgan's Raymond Chant. Raymond, let's start with the Bank of England lifting interest rates there by a bigger than expected 50 basis points to 5%. That's a 15-year high, and it could go even higher. Is there a shift in global central banks moving interest rates even higher than first thought? This is a very good question because I think uh, the the global central bank has been pretty consistent. You know, they are data dependent. They look at you know the data on month-to-month basis. And um, so far, we do not hear any central bankers say, you know, they have reached a peak of uh, interest rate high cycle. Uh, however, on the, on the other side, which is the market expectation and the consent, and the consent has been underestimating um, this rate high cycle. A, a, a good example is, you know, back home in Australia, you know, the consents were thinking about uh, RBA to peak around 4% just a few months ago. And now they all have to adjust expectation to at least 4.8%. I think similar experience is happening to UK at the moment where, you know, uh, yes, we have seen some evidence of inflation being easing. However, it's still not concrete enough to see, you know, the inflation will stay down for long. So uh, it's, we are likely to see all the central bank, of course, apart from a few such as, you know, China. Um, most of the central bank will have to have the interest rate higher for longer. Yeah, you mentioned China. We'll talk about it in detail in a few moments. But given that we are seeing higher interest rates for longer, is there a threat that will it will trigger, trigger a global recession? And how significant is that? I think globally, uh, the economy is... Um, is fairly uh, fragile. Of course, you know, it, it mostly recover from, you know, COVID and they mostly benefit from the reopening. Uh, however, with the synchronized interest rate rise, there's always risk of recession. Uh, however, we don't usually worry too much about the recession. Sometimes a recession may not be a bad thing. Uh, you know, if we just experience what, what we call a mild recession, uh, then it's actually a good thing because that, you know, it's likely to uh, hold off a lot of people spending uh, intention as as well as, you know, control the inflation. Uh, what, of course, we do not want to see is hard landing where, you know, the economic growth um, uh, uh, cooled down uh, significantly and, uh, in a sub, especially in a short period of time, that create a lot of shock uh, to 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 um to people but so far you know we are we are seeing soft landing as a uh, this uh, as a distinct possibility especially in us uh, i think uh, you know a a, a um, soft landing will certainly address you know a lot of high inflationary uh, pressure that we are seeing at the moment the move overnight, though, did trigger a fall um, in terms of the oil price, down 4%. Our gold is at a three-month low. Markets are looking a bit shaky. Can you run us through the fallout? Well, we actually quite positive about oil at the current level. Um, remember, there's always a lot of moving parts. Uh, parts with oil we have you know the the china outlook we have you know the the international travel demand 
Uh, we have the demand and supply side of the oil. Uh, and of significant, of course, early, early in the month, we have the OPEC, uh, OPEC plus meeting where the biggest OPEC member, Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia, they actually announced uh, cutting the oil's uh, production by 1 million per day. That I think is significant. And, and also this cut won't happen until, until July. And if we purely just look at, you know, the Saudi uh, full output capacity is around 12 million. If they, if they do cut uh, additional 1 million at they stated early in the month, they actually reduce the production to 9 million. Remember, you know, uh, 1 to 2 million within a day is uh, between uh, a bull market and a bear market, you know, for, for, for oil. So I think, you know, when, when this cut happened, you know, the oil price should, you know, certainly see a floor. And, you know, we, we think the oil is quite cheap at the moment. On the flip side, the gold, if we look at the gold price, um, it has gone through a significant bear market since the early 80s. But interesting, if we look at the past five years, the gold is on the bull market. What happening at the moment is the gold price challenged the $2,000 per ounce and they meet the resistance. So until, you know, the gold uh, hit, you know, uh, a bridge above this $2,000 psychological barrier, the gold price will still be locking around like that. But if we look at six months, it's, it's probably not looking that, that good. However, if we look at five years, you know, the gold um, uh, uh, chart is actually looking pretty good. Okay, let's go into detail into uh, one area that you know a lot about, and that's China. Uh, it's been one of the big stories of the week. Uh, continued economic stimulus being pumped into the country. A number of key interest rates have been cut numerous times over the past two weeks. What's your ch- take on the Chinese economic environment and its post um COVID opening because when the economy did reopen after this prolonged closure, they, they, were, they were pretty optimistic. It, it did rebound, but then all of a sudden, not much growth. Yeah, absolutely spot on. Uh, when I talk to my contact in China, uh, people tend to ask me not to look at the year-on-year figures because obviously last year, whole thing locked down. Um, so on a one-year basis, of course, it's all double-digit uh, return. They tend to look at the month to month. As you mentioned, you know, initially we have this reopening, um, uh, 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 projection, you know, uh, from the beginning of the year, people, you know, really optimistic about a China opening. Uh, and then, you know, one month after another, they, they saw the figures getting worse and worse. And it come to a point where, uh, the main figures coming out, uh, is certainly, uh, send a worrying trend. Uh, for for the market, so the the script uh, has changed, the tone has changed. You know, uh, before May, people talking about uh, you know uh, whether China should stimulate. Now the script has all changed to how to stimulate. A lot of concern, you know, regarding the unemployment. Of course, the unemployment rate on the headline number looks respectable, 5.2% only. However, there's a lot of youth unemployment uh, happening at the moment. So the, the figures I got is 20.8%. So almost one-fifth of the young uh, youngsters in, in China are unable to find a job. So that created a lot of social problem where, you know, the government uh, uh, will likely to address uh, in coming weeks. Okay, finally, for investors out there, what's this all likely to mean for the investment environment and are there any opportunities at all? 
Sure. Uh, I think the first thing we have to look at is uh, there will be important uh, government meetings in July. Uh, we call it the China uh, Politburo uh, uh, meetings. Uh, this is when the top leaders um, uh, sit down and talk about some policy. Of course, we are already start to see a bit of, um, um, you know, interest rate um, um, uh, movement yeah, from the PBOC, but so far, we have not seen the movement in required reserve ratio. The, the last movement was back in uh, March. I think that's likely to see more, more discount, more movement come from there. And in terms of, you know, investor, you know, if China do come up with a stimulus, of course, it is unlikely to be the massive infrastructure scale, that type of stimulus that we have seen 10 years ago. However, there, there's still likely to, to be some infrastructure uh, uh, investment uh, to be promoted. So, our big miners are likely to be benefit. Another area I think, you know, may benefit will be the area of electric car. Uh, for Australia, we have, we're quite fortunate. We are one of the uh, biggest producer of lithium uh, in the world. So, you know, the lithium area, despite, you know, the strong performance uh, today, uh, that likely to continue to, to, to got support. Last but not least, you know, of course, you know, uh, for those who can invest overseas, they can also look at the China A market. Why do I talk about A market, not the H market? A market predominantly listed for those companies listed in China. They are more consumer-driven stocks. The biggest name Chinese company, uh, consumer uh, company are listed in A market rather than the H market in Hong Kong. So I may see a divergence of performance from, uh, from A uh, to the H market for those who, you know, investors who look at uh, overseas investment. That is Raymond Chan there, the head of Asian Market Desk at Morgan's. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.